Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. Welcome back to another episode of the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. I'm John Shirky here with my friend, my co-host, Jamie Wagner. Jamie, this if you're looking at this number, the length of this episode, it looks like it's really long and it is because it's really good. It's jam-packed. We cover a ton of ground. And, Absolutely. And good to see you. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I was wondering what was happening. No, I wasn't. I was just ready to dive in. You know me. Everybody knows me. I'm ready to go there. The second it happens, Coach Nicholas Davis, uh, University of Wisconsin Lacrosse, head women's track and field coach, a jump coach, a man after my own heart, right? That sort of thing. But here's the deal. They are exceptional, right? They're competing for national titles. They were second in the country last year. Um, and, you know, Wisconsin League champions, I think five or six years in a row, just doing things at a super, super high level. But the the coolest part about it to me is we get to see and peel some of that back today because coach is super transparent with us. Talk to us a lot about their process. And at the same time, it doesn't feel like here's a bunch of things, go and apply them and do them your way, right? Or do them our way, right? Because just the whole thing boils down to you got to get what you can out of your athletes where you are and uh also also jamie i want you to know that i'm very proud of you 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 restrained from getting lost in the weeds on track times you know that you lose me when you do that i know there's value i know there is but uh no seriously though this this conversation if you're like hey track and field coach what am i gonna learn it's it's about life man this this dude is the real deal i appreciate him joining us you're gonna get better today here we go Coach Nick Davis, UW Lacrosse Track and Field. We are honored to have you. I had an athlete go and compete for you. And as, through that process, I got to know what you guys do. And it's it's pretty awesome what you have gotten to become a part of because lacrosse track and field has been good for a really long time. So um, how did you get there? What was your kind of process to, to become the head coach, head girls coach at UW Lacrosse? Oh boy. The process of becoming the women's coach. It was, uh, it was, it was a little, it was a little crazy. Like coaching for me was not, um, ever what I was planning on doing. Um, but it just kept like, I don't know. It just kept finding me opportunities just kept finding me. Um, I, we were talking a little off air, but like I had plans to, when I was in grad school to go on and be a professor in sports psychology and, um, getting toward the end of my master's degree and doing my thesis defense and all the research that I did and stuff like that. I was just like, eh, I don't know if this is for me. Cause like, I, I don't like the research as much as the actual, like applying the knowledge and getting in there. And, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a people person. So I wanted to, to, to get in the thick of things. And one thing I always wanted to do was coach and I never had an opportunity to do that. Um, so I decided to forego the PhD and, um, I decided to start coaching and I coached at Cedarburg high school for two years. And like, just like that, I was like, yep, this is it. I need to be doing something like this. You know, this is exactly what I want to do. Um, and Jacob Beck, his name is, if he's out there, I'm, I'm wondering if he's listening, but that kid was my first high jump athlete that I coached. He was, he started uh, in eighth grade. He went like five, four. And as a freshman, he went five, 10. It was like the, the best experience that I could have gotten into in terms of uh, coaching right away. So he, 
he has a lot to do with my uh, coaching, I guess, at this point. So thank you, Jacob. Um, but outside of that, so I coached at the, at the high school level for a couple of years and just realized like, yeah, I think I want to like go more competitive with this. And having been a division one athlete, I, I wanted to get into the college ranks and I volunteered for about two weeks at Marquette university as a jumps coach, um, volunteering like as an assistant to the jumps coach. And then he got a job and then I was like, okay, uh, I'm doing this now. <laughs> and I had no, no idea what I was doing. Um, and I think in the, in the best way possible, like that, that was what I needed to, to have, you know, that experience is what I needed to have because it forced me to learn so much so quickly. Um, but I was at, I, I had the ability to coach there for four years. So I was the jumps in short sprints coach at Marquette university. And then, um, you know, it was, it was basically like a stipend, you know, that I was coaching on and uh -huh. I was looking for something a little bit more substantial. I was getting a little annoyed with driving limos and teaching <laughs> classes here and there and then trying to coach. And so, um, you know, I was, I was looking to find full-time, uh, coaching and, you know, I was a candidate for several jobs and never, never broke through. And then finally I got this email from the Massachusetts Institute of technology. So I'm like, am I like the MIT? Like what yeah. is this? And, um, the, the, the head coach there was looking for a jumps coach and he heard about me um, and that I was looking for a position. And, um, I said something to my wife, I'm like, we can't do this. Can we like, is this, does this even make sense? And she's like, let's just try it. And long story short, I ended up there for four years and yeah. never lived outside of the state or anything like that. And, um, it was kind of neat. The, the experience, we had a, a year and a half old son and one on the way. And it was just like, there was so much transition. Um, but I remember saying to my wife, you know, this would be a great opportunity for me because the head coach there is just an incredible, incredible coach, incredible person. And I knew I would learn a lot from him. Um, and eventually, you know, down the line, I want to be a head coach and I just wasn't sure when, but I wanted to learn how to do that. And um, so I thought, Hey, this is a great opportunity, but you know what, in four or five years, if UW lacrosse opens up, like I'll apply there and hopefully we can find our way back here, you know, and literally four years later, it opened up and I took a shot and the rest is history. And here I am, but, uh, it's been a long road to get here, but at the same time, I just, I'm, I've been blessed with so many great people along the way who opened doors for me and, um, taught me so much. And yeah, it's, it's just been a, it's been a great ride here. Now I'm in my fifth year as the, the women's head coach and I'm loving it. It's just so much fun. So coach, there's a couple of things in there, but first of all, yes, it's people opening doors, but it's also an, an example of you being willing and open to have those doors be opened and take that. And, and we all know that our significant others play a huge role and our families play a huge yes. role in that. And, and just hearing that story of your wife saying, Hey, let's go try it. I, yeah. I think there's a lot of people that get stuck because they, they either don't have that ability to communicate that to their spouse, or they're not willing, you know, to, to go do some different things. And, and when you identify, Hey, this is what I want to do. And then yeah. this is what it's going to take. I got to volunteer for, yeah. for a while and then door things start to happen. But also, um, I don't want to gloss over this because I don't know how long you've been on Twitter, but there's no, no question in my mind that at jumping beard is one of the coolest handles I can think of. So there's no way that the coach at MIT didn't see that and be like, this is my guy. I got to have a jump coach <laughs> that is at jumping beard. So just felt right, man. I don't know. It just felt right. 
Yeah. <laughs> so you talked a little bit about your background, sports psychology. That was kind of the, the path. Man, I can't think of a better foundation in addition to you being an athlete and, and learning from coaches. But how have you kind of applied some of those things? You know, take that any direction you want to, but because it's huge. But how does that play into your coaching now? Boy, I, you know, it, it's funny because, you know, the, the, the field kind of goes in two directions. It's a lot of it can be academically focused where it's, you know, research development and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, more from the, the teaching and research side, and then there's the applied side. Um, and I, I just felt like I didn't want to do either of those, like throw my hat into just one of those rings. Um, because I felt like I, the, the psychology portion of it is so valuable, but I, I, I missed my sport, you know, like I missed track and field and I, I wanted to be involved in track and field first. And then in addition to that, use my, my background in sports psychology. And it's funny because I did not expect that I'd be using it as much as I am, you know, and, and I feel like one of the major ways we use it as a, uh, as a full team. So when we are, um, in our training week, we usually take an active recovery day, kind of midweek, usually around that Wednesday time. So this is a lot different for high school coaches because high school coaches have a lot of meets on Wednesdays and I get all that. We have our meets on the weekend. So we have a little bit more flexibility, but um, Wednesdays tend to be our active recovery days. And so in that we, we do a lot of like yoga. Um, and then we, we, in addition to yoga, start introducing gradually like mental imagery into our into our focus, um, for the season. And so as we're, we're training them to, you know, um, be more mindful and be more focused, um, through yoga, I think it really sets a good tone for them to be able to like tap into the, to the mental side and that mental preparation for them. And so we'll go through like a script with, with the team. Um, and some of it is like left to their, to, to themselves to make it as specific to what they do as possible. But um, we've done it where we've even introduced like pictures of the facility that we'll be competing in so they can look at the pictures and then help themselves to visualize what that'll look like when they're there. So um, like a nationals meet or something like that. Um, but, um, but that's been, that's been a huge, I think, benefit to our team because um Coming in, I think what it helped right away was not only did our performances improve, and obviously I, I can't say it's exactly because of the visualization, um, but I certainly believe it had something to do with it. And our, our um, performances improved, but we were also more um, consistent in our performances. Um, and so, so that's a big piece of, of what I use uh, or what we use as a team um, uh, as, on a larger scale. Uh, additionally, I know when I'm... Uh, working with the jumpers. So I, although I'm the head coach, I work with the jumps and multis and, and all that. Um, the way that I set goals with them is maybe a little bit different than a lot of people do. And, um, you know, as, as somebody who's a sports psych focused person, there's, there are outcome goals, there are process goals, there are performance goals. Um, and I try to hit on each of those um, and also help them to set like consistency goals. So you know, I think one of the things that is really important to our athletes is that not only are they, um, they're raising the ceiling of their performances, but they're also raising the floor. And so, you know, I, I like to think of it as I, I was a former high jumper, but like, Hey, if my high school PR was the one jump I had one time that was my PR and all of a sudden 
freshman year, that's like the average bar that I'm jumping. Like, even if I don't have a huge PR, that's still big progress. You know, that's yeah. still big, big progress and helping them to see that um, is important, but I don't want them to be so hung up on just like the time or the distance or the height. I want them to focus on all the little things to get them to those performances. And so I guess the way that I try to get them to wrap their mind around it is that that outcome goal or what the ultimate like pie in the sky goal that you have to, that you want to achieve is, I guess, could be like considered your GPS, like destination, right? That's where you want to end up. But the, but the process goals are your turn by turn directions to get you there. And, and that's, you know, you miss a step along the way, you're going to, you're going to get lost. And so that we talk about um, that being something that's really important from the day to day and, and um, you know, just being intentional in what they do. Um, and lastly, I, I think one of the things that we, we um, did, and I, I think we want to get back to, um, we did this a couple of years back with uh, Jenna, Jenna Fuchs, who Jenna Halverson, she is a, what is her maiden name? She was a, an alum of our program. She has um, an LLC called the mental clutch. And what we worked on when she was here was focusing the athletes on, you know, we, we often think about like, you know, what goes wrong, you know, what do we do wrong? How do we, how do we fix that? But a lot of times the answer is just like, who are you on your best day? Yeah. Like what, what did you do that day? Like, where were you in, in basically that, like um, that continuum of being hyped or overhyped or underhyped or whatever, where were you on that, on that continuum? And if, and if that seemed to work for you, well, let's develop skills to get you in that sweet spot as much as possible. And so we worked a lot with, um, with the team that year and figuring out, you know, what is your zone of optimal functioning and like, how do you, how do you get yourself back into that zone when you find yourself out of it? Um, and that, that was another big thing that I, I think helped the team a lot um, outside of the breathing techniques and anxiety, you know, dealing with anxiety and stuff like that too. But there's just, like you said, there is so much that we could do, but I think from a coaching standpoint, it's the, it's consistently holding them accountable to those things on a, on a daily or weekly basis so that they actually get better. Cause it's a skill just as much as anything else. I love that. It's a skill just as much as anything else. The one thing that I think is really real for any high school athlete transitioning to college is you come from being kind of the stud, the, the, mm -hmm. the big fish in the small pond to go and compete at a level where, you know, a couple of years ago, I think you had four triple jumpers in the national tournament. Like it's incredible just to be on the team because you got four of your teammates that are national level competitors. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so you go from a place and I, and I was talking to Addie Hubbard, who was one of our athletes that, that competed for you that I said, and she came back and was helping us work on some jump stuff after her season was over. And I was like talking to her afterwards. I'm like, what are you guys doing? That's different than what we're doing. She's like everything. I was like, <laughs> that's awesome. You know, I'm the jumps coach. I would like to be hopeful that you're getting some good stuff from me. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we don't do anything like you used to do really. And I was, and so, and then that kind of gave me this, thought process because the high school kids they get done and they're good and then they go to college and they're no longer the big fish in the small pond they're small fish in a big pond and maybe everything is new maybe everything is different the confidence hit that happens as a result of that is gigantic mm -hmm. how do you build that back you're talking a little bit about it right some of the mental stuff that you're doing but how do you build confidence in people in this brand new setting this brand new environment and yet we need you to perform at a high level and they want to perform at a high level yet. They might not feel like they're capable. 
I think that's a, and that's a really, really good question. And you, you do see that. And I think um, the other thing to consider too, is it's not just a transition for them as athletes. It's a transition yeah. for them as people. And um, there's a lot wrapped up in your first year of going off to school. You know, it's first time that people have lived out on their own, you know, nobody's knocking down their door to make sure you get your homework assignments done. Like, you know, there's, there's so much responsibility that they learn that it can be really overwhelming. And so, um, you know, we take in all that into account when we were having these discussions with them and, um, you know, checking in frequently and those sorts of things. And, um, as it relates to your question though, I think you, you take some of those things into account when you're describing like their experience. Um, but it's also like one of the, one of the things that I, um, you know, the way I describe, I guess one of the things that I do differently is the way I describe goal setting in terms of that outcome is like your, your destination and all those sorts of things. I actually don't even have my freshmen um, set outcome goals. I have them focus more on the process and consistency goals. And why I do that is because I don't want them again, to focus solely on a distance or a time or a height or any of that, because then they start to lose why they're doing it in the first place. And so what I do is I, I have them focus on those consistency goals the process goals. And then we talk about their purpose. Like, what is your purpose? Like, why do you do track and field? Why do you enjoy this experience? And, you know, when you, when you do feel like you might be losing your way, can we use this, this process or excuse me, this um, purpose statement for good to get your, get your focus back when, when you're losing it. Um, I try to take a lot of the pressure off of them and focus them on the fact that you are here to learn more than anything in your, in your freshman year. Um, and it's learning everything <laughs> like you're, you're, you're doing so much is in transition. Um, but I want you to focus on learning. And part of the learning process is you are going to screw things up a lot. You're going to make a ton of mistakes. That is okay. Like you have to understand that I am, I'm going to hold you and everyone else to that same standard. Like making mistakes is all right. As long as we learn from those mistakes. And so, um, you know, a lot more of my attention, I guess, from that standpoint goes to, um, the freshmen, you know, like making sure that they, um, you know, I guess following up with them after a meet and making sure that they, um, take something from the experience, whether it was a great meet or, or not so great meet, um, the, a lot of that, a lot of my focus, um, I guess, would go more toward those younger athletes to make sure that they're not losing their confidence or, or that they're building their confidence. And it is challenging. It is definitely challenging. I, I think the one quote that I use the most, and I think this is a really important thing um, as it relates to everybody, but certainly for freshmen, when you say being a big fish in a small pond to going to a big pond, being a small fish, um, the quote, I believe it's Theodore Roosevelt. Um, I believe I could be wrong on this, but I know the quote is right. <laughs> anyway, it's comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. When you compare yourself to the other people around you who have had a completely different path or might be further along on their path than you are, you are losing sight of what you can control and you, and it takes away the enjoyment of your own process and your own, in your own growth. And so I, I try to remind them that frequently that this, you know, so-and-so is three years older than you and jumping farther than you because she's been training at a high level for a lot longer than you have. And this is only your first meet. So just calm down. It's going to be okay. You know? Um, 
And, uh, and it, it's, it's interesting sometimes when they really hear what you're saying and then they're like, yeah, you're right. You know, I can't do anything about what she's jumping or, you know, what the weather is like or any of that stuff. It's just focusing your attention to those few things that you can control and do the best you can at controlling those. Cause all we can ask you to do is your best. That's it. And so that takes some of the pressure off them, I think a lot. And, and then just knowing that I'm, you know, I'm very engaged in their development, not just like, Hey, what have you done for me lately? Kind of yeah. um, mentality. That's just not what you score the last, yeah, week, right. right? It's not, it's, it's not, not what you're scoring. Right. Right. It's not me. It's uh, that that's, that's not who I am as a coach. I'm, I'm very focused on not only just athletic development, but holistic development, you know, and, and with that, you know, I can't be holding them to a standard of how far they jump or how many points they score for our team, even though that's a goal of ours is to, to maximize those things, force it or like forcing it down their throats is not the way to getting that, you know, to, to come about. Cause they all want to be good. They just need some direction, you know? So coach, I'm curious because I, what you're talking about is building a foundation, building a relationship that says, Hey, I actually care about you as a person overall. And I think, again, as coaches, we all want to, to have that relationship. And there's this constraint with time and energy mm-hmm. and access and all of the other things that you mentioned, not only for the athletes, but for you and your time. So I guess I'm just curious because I think there's a lot of coaches out there that say, oh, yeah, that would be great if I can sit down with all my athletes and talk through all of their goals. And so maybe just talk a little bit about how you guys structured it. Is it you sitting down with all of your athletes? How do you utilize your assistant coaches, that, those sorts of things. And because I, I think, again, the, the important part is people wanting to know how, okay, how can I do this, right? How can right. I do a part of this? Because it sounds a little bit overwhelming at first to hear you say, Hey, and maybe it is overwhelming, Right. But to hear you say, Hey, I have these intimate conversations about goals and I'm checking in with them and doing all this stuff. Well, you have a ton of kids. I think of football coaches having a hundred kids. How do I do that? Right. So maybe talk a little bit about that. That's a great question. Um, I will say that I am very, very blessed to have incredible assistant coaches to work with. Um, people that share my passion for not only track and field, but like for leading. Um, I, I think one of the things that really help us, I mean, asking, if you're asking like, what, what are one of the, what is one of the things that helps us to be successful in our, in our program? I would say that it's continuity of coaching and, and consistency of philosophy among our coaches, because we are all passionate about what we do and we focus on the person first. And to answer or to go back to one of your comments that it's overwhelming. Heck yeah, it's overwhelming. Like, I mean, it just, it just is. Um, But that's, that's part of the job. You know, there are a lot of athletes that we do um, work with, but if we are going to get them, if we're going to maximize potential on our team, which is our goal um, as, as coaches, then we need to take the steps necessary to do that. And that means some people need a little bit more attention than other people. Um, and, and, you know, certain times of the year, some people are going to need more attention than other people. And I'll tell you right now, COVID has made things extremely challenging. Um, but I, you know, as a head coach, I, I am 
I constantly want to make sure that whether they're athletes I work with or athletes in other event groups, um, that my door, they know my door is open, you know? So in, in my first few weeks here, um, I meet with every single freshman that's, that's on the team, regardless of, of event group, just see how they're transitioning. You know, I have a, like a script of questions that I want to, you know, get through just to make sure I'm asking all the things that are important and giving them an opportunity to talk about themselves and get to know them. And, um, you know, so, so I'm, I'm meeting them and getting to know them even more so than, you know, when we went through the recruiting process and all that. Um, and a lot of the, you know, when I talk about the goal setting and stuff like that, a lot of those things are happening within the event groups with the event group coaches as well. So I encourage that a lot. Um, but I want to know what the goals are too, you know? So it's not that I'm necessarily in on every single goal meeting. I, I don't think I could do that honestly with a, with right. a roster of 80 women, but, um, but it's not that I, I don't know what's going on with those things because I want to hold them accountable to their goals as well. Um, so I think that's a really important part, but um, I'll tell you this, like coaching is, is an incredible profession, but one of the cooler things that I get to do is I get asked for people to, if, if I will write them a letter of recommendation for um, grad school or a job or, you know, like any of those sorts of things. And like, I, I mean, it, maybe it makes my life really um, stressful at times because it always seems to come when I'm like really, really busy, but I always, <laughs> I always say yes. I always say yes, because that is like, who, who better to, um, who better to evaluate and show like uh, a different, like an organization or a, a graduate school program, who better to get information from than their coach, you know, like who's with them every day and seen them at their best and at their worst, you know? Um, and I, I love being that person who can help those athletes along in their, in their careers, you know? So I, it so, brings up a, Sorry, Jamie. It brings up an interesting question for me, you know, not to totally derail us, but in terms of recruiting, because you talk about from your experience saying, hey, who better than me to express, hey, this is who this person is. But so how much of that do you take into account when you're recruiting people, talking to their coaches? And because I, I think there's, especially in this day and age with specialization and individual coaches and all this other stuff, I think people say, no, if I'm good enough, then th that, that's going to be enough. I don't need to necessarily have a good relationship with my coach if, mm -hmm. if I don't. Right. I, um, that's a great question. I, this is, this is actually a line that I use a lot and I really mean it in recruiting is that I, you know, my goal is always to fill our roster with as many talented people as we possibly can, but they have to be the right people. And I don't, I don't, I mean, if you are incredibly talented, but you are more self-focused, you know, you're, you, you have no interest in being a part of something bigger than yourself. It's just not going to work. Like we, we don't treat track and field like an individual sport here at UW lacrosse, yeah. we treat it like a team sport. And I think that's helped us to be successful over the years. Um, and I think it's, it's added to the experience that our women have had here because, they, they build such strong connections with the, the people that they compete with. Um, you know, it's, it's competitive here, but it's a healthy competition, you know, mm -hmm. within the team. And 
I will say this, like when you get to a, when you get to a conference championship, like there's so much energy that our team brings because of how much they've developed those relationships and connected together. Um, so in, in recruiting, I talk about that a lot because, you know, even, you know, we, we have a separate head, uh, cross country coach and I'm the head women's track and field coach. Um, but when they bring in recruits for the distance side, I'm meeting with them too. You know, like I, cause I want them to know like, Hey, you're going to be a part of our family. Like it's, it's one big family. Um, and even though it's two separate sports, you know, we, I'm still involved. I'm riding my bike at your practices and like cheering for you. I'm not running though, <laughs> but, but I'm riding my bike and I'm, I'm cheering them on. And I'm like, I'm at some of their team meetings and dinners and stuff like that, because it's this, it's a family atmosphere that I, we're trying to build here. And, you know, I, I will say this, like, I know that all, all your athletes work out in the summer by themselves and then they come to practice and they work, work out with their teammates, which, which one are they working out harder when they're with their teammates? Cause you're a lot more likely to give up on yourself than you are your teammates. And that's the mentality that we take in our, in our recruiting and in our, in our team. And it's amazing that you went there with that question because is the next question on my mind is right. You talk about some of this coaching stuff being overwhelming. You talk about how we want to be a family how do, that has to help you push down some of the responsibilities, right? Your seniors get to be those next people talking about goals and talking about being involved in the process. Cause they've been there for three or four or five years that know and understand this is how we do it. I'm going to mm -hmm. help you get on board with this. What's that like at a team level? How are you preparing your upperclassmen to help transition some of those young kids? Like how much of that is just, I'm going to give some of this away to my, to my athletes. I, that's another great question. I think, um, you know, one thing I try to tell our captain group is that this is their team, not mine. You know, like I want, I want you to take ownership over this team. And if you think something, um, you think of something that you really want to do, let's, let's think about how we can do that effectively and, and get it done. Um, the way we do it, we, we have a large roster. So we're usually somewhere hovering around like 70 to 80 women on the team. Um, and so, you know, having a, I know a lot of coaches are like, ah, I don't need captains or I don't do that. I'm, I need captains. You know, I, I enjoy having captains on our team because again, it gives, I think it develops leaders within our program. Um, and usually we, we have captains from various event groups, uh, but the way we pick captains, the coaches don't pick them. And the, honestly, the athletes don't even really uh, vote on captains per se. The way we do it is I say, here are five leadership qualities. And I'm going to, now I'm going to forget them as I'm sitting here, but I, one of them is, is confidence. One of them is being a vocal leader. One of them is leading by example. One is commitment and one is, oh gosh, I can't think of the other one. It'll come to me. Um, there's another one, but there, so what I have them do is I have them rate the juniors and seniors who rising juniors and seniors during the summer. Um, and I have them rate like, all right, when the word commitment comes to mind, who are the, who are three people on your team that you think of that are juniors and seniors? When you think of confidence or co competitiveness is the other one, obviously, um, who, you know, who are the, who are three people that come to mind when you, when you think of confidence or competitiveness or being a vocal leader. And um, what I do is from there, I kind of gather up like, all right, well, what does this team think of itself? Like who, who are the, who are the natural leaders that, that these people are looking to every day. And that's how we pick our, our, our captains. And then 
And what we do even within that is we also have what we call group leaders. So, so we have this year, we have because of COVID and like a lot of weirdness in terms of people not graduating in like four years. And <laughs> I mean, we might have people with PhDs by the time they're done, but um, which I wouldn't mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so we have our like six or seven captains right now. Um, we usually have a little less than that. It's usually like four or five, but we have uh, seven of them right now. Um, so we have that group of captains, but we also have group leaders, which is like a, a representative from each event group. So the group leaders and the captains can work together on putting together like team events and stuff like that. Um, in the J term, January term, we, we try to have our event groups like the throwers and the distance runners have dinner together at one point so they can, and on like a game night or something like that. So they can hang out and get to know each other. And so we're doing a lot of stuff across event groups and stuff like that. But um, though that level of leadership is really important for getting things done within our, within our group. Um, it's really important for having, a, I guess, like an idea of what's going on in each event group for me as the head coach. Um, so I have somebody I can connect with, um, even though I'm trying to connect with everybody, it's like, I have a go-to person to get a sense of like, you know, where the, where the mindset is at in a specific event group and stuff. So, um, that's kind of how we do it. And yes, I, we, I do give them some responsibility. Um, and it's, I, I would say it's not because I, I want to shed some of the responsibility, but it's more so because I want them to feel like they have autonomy over their own team and yeah, um, they own it right there. They're in, yeah. they're invested yes. and now they give more too, right. You know, like they're going to, they're going to buy in a little bit more and yeah, it's, that's an incredible tool, right? I, it's not just, Hey, I want this to be less, right. I want them to be more. In, in exactly. That's a really good way to put it. And, and another thing that we'll be doing this year, we did some, we, we kind of did it a little bit last year. And in the past, we will be doing leadership training with our full team. Um, but we will, we will have two separate sections of that leadership training. So that freshman and sophomore group will be more about like what it is to, what is like to lead yourself, you know, yeah. and make good decisions for yourself and stay um, accountable to your goals and hold other people accountable Whereas the juniors and seniors are going to be more like, all right, leading by example, leading others, like how can we lead from the front? Um, and, and so that, that's actually something that we're in the midst of doing right now. Um, but, you know, I feel like a lot of times what we do is we want captains to lead our team and we're just like, all right, cool, go do your thing, you know, hang out in the back. But if we're not giving them the skills to do it well, you know, we're, we're setting ourselves up for failure. And so making sure that they feel like they're confident enough to make, um, tough decisions or, or hold their team accountable and those sorts of things is important, I think. So how do you give them those skills? Is it just through that process of, oh, I've been here for a couple, you know, like, is it just that leadership by example? Or are you bringing them aside and helping them standing beside them in that? Or like, cause I think there's a million ways to do it. What's, what's your guys' process? So we've, we've done a, a couple of different things, but I think one of the things that we like to focus on actually two of the things we'd like to focus on. One is the, those five leadership qualities that are important to us, you know, and like, what does that look like? You know, how do you, how do you, how do you build those, like your confidence level? How do you build um, your, your level of competitiveness? How do you, how do you get people to listen to you as a vocal leader? Like the, we'll, we'll go through a lot of um, discussions and things where you get the team talking and, and play out some possible like scenarios of things that might happen. You know, I always, I always bring up like I have PowerPoint slides and I'll have like, all right, Susie says this to so-and-so blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, and, <laughs> but then you get them talking about like how you would handle it. 
And sometimes you see how they're like looking for the complex answer. And the answer is like staring them right in the face. It's like, no, just why don't you just go up to her and say, stop, <laughs> like, or, yeah. you know, or whatever. Um, yeah. So we do stuff like that. And uh, we've used um, well, another thing that we do uh, that we created a couple of years back was we created our vision statement and guiding principles for our team. So our vision statement is more or less to, to be greater than the sum of our parts. So we're not just event groups working in silos and hopefully we all come together at the right time and we can win, but we're, we're focusing on support and holding each other accountable and pushing each other daily and those sorts of things that help us to be better together than we would have by ourselves. Um, and so in that, like we have guiding principles of things that are important to our team. Like, you know, first and foremost is academics, you know, having, having what you need to be a, a good student. And if you need help to, to speak up, you know, focusing on mental health, those sorts of things. Um, and obviously, you know, being able to, to come to practice on time and put in intentional effort and those sorts of things. And I think those things have helped them to, um, an understanding of those things have helped them to lead themselves and, and ultimately lead as they've been here, like you said, a couple of years into the program, starting to not only they figured it out for themselves, but now they're trying to help pay it forward to the others. Um, so yeah, there's, I mean, a variety of different things that we've done in the past, but I think it's, it's important that we touch on that topic a lot rather than just saying, all right, well, now you're a senior, it's your team. It's like, well, I don't know if you know this, but there, there are some seniors that I, I would never want to have as a captain sometimes. For sure. And I want to make sure that those individuals are, are, you know, not only willing to do it, but prepared to do it. No, I, you talked about intentional. And I, I think one of the really key attributes of great coaches and staffs, and I think I would put you guys in that, even though I know nothing about track and I, you know, this is our first time meeting, but is that you're, you're implementing these things, these skills, these topics, and sometimes your athletes probably know it's intentional. Other times it's just happening and it's part of the, it's part of the thing. Jamie and I played football together at Bethel and our head coach was a sports psych guy and one of the goofiest teenage adults that there is. And yet, right. Somehow all of these concepts, all of these things got integrated into just who we were as a team and, and as individuals. And I think that's one of the best ways you can what one of the best gifts you can give. And I think as a coach, if you're listening to this, it doesn't have to be, Hey, we got to do a six week retreat on leadership. It can be one question at the beginning of a practice every week. Hey, here's a scenario. How do you handle this? Right. Yeah. And that solves not only your time issue, but your fill in the blank. If you want to make excuses of why you don't have time to do this, but that's why I love the kind of the examples that you gave and, and how they're just scattered throughout everything. And they can't help, but, you know, get some of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny too. Like when, when you give an upperclassman who may not necessarily be like a captain and you give them like, Hey, why don't you go talk to this freshman about, you know, what this first meet is going to be like, like give them some gives, give them something. So they, you know, they're probably pretty anxious about this. Like, Give them some information so you can help them with that. And what, what's funny is it's not a job to them. They're like, really? Okay, cool. Yeah. You know, whereas you go on this six, six week ret retreat kind of stuff, 
that starts to feel like a job, you know, right. and what, what I try to do is try to build it in, like cook it into what we do as much as possible. And, um, I think the biggest part of it is just, you got to live it, Like you got to live it every day. It's not something that you do to check a box, you know? And, um, I think one of the things I learned, one of the many things I learned, but one of the things I learned from my, um, uh, my mentor, who was the head coach at MIT, his name is Halston Taylor. Uh, he just retired this year, actually. Um, but one of the things he taught me is, hey, you know, we all have really good ideas, but if you can't do it well, don't do it. Like, don't don't <laughs> do it just to check a box, you know. And because because then it takes something that's really important, and it makes it feel like it's not. Yeah. And yeah. if it's not that important, then they're not gonna again, that word intentional, they're not going to be intentional about doing those things. Whereas if you do those things and you require of a, uh, require, um, it from them daily, you know, they're living it every day. They don't even, like you said, they don't almost know that they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One, one track specific question I have to John. Dang it. right. Um, Addy said that you guys kind of all work out same workouts early in the year together. Like Mm -hmm. everybody kind of does the same thing. Doesn't matter your events. Why? Why? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like what's the, what's the thinking behind that from a, from a coach's perspective, but then like, you know, from the track perspective, I'm like, what's the physiology behind that? What's all the stuff going on? Like just why, why do you guys start where kind of everybody is generally doing the same thing? So we, we have here, we have an exercise sports science class that they can take. Um, it's open to the whole university and the vast majority, I would say of the team who's not in cross country will take it. And then we have a handful of people that just like to get their butts kicked, you know, like doing some track training, uh, but have no intentions of being on the team. They'll, they'll take the class too. But um, I would honestly, to, to, to say why we do it that way, is more to do with the the building of connections within the team than anything else. And don't get me wrong. I mean, like the work that they're doing, because most of the people that are there are either sprinters, hurdlers, jumpers, pole vault. Like they're all speed power people for the most part. And even our even our throwers are a part of it at points in time. Um, but you know, some some of the more like detailed running workouts are like higher, higher volume running workouts, they're doing something else. Um, but we try to keep them together as much as we can, because then they start to, to meet one another and get to know one another. I don't know how many times we've had people in that class, like they get to know each other in the first week of class. And then all of a sudden, like a couple months later, they're, they're signing off on a lease at an, for an apartment for the next year. And then we still haven't even had practice yet. Like there's, they just, they're such good friends just based on the experience that they have. But, um, but we're touching on like the important aspects of training. Um, but it's not so detailed because I mean, we're not like triple jumping. We're not doing anything like event specific stuff. Um, because we couldn't do that. It's, It's, that's all against the rules. You know, we can't be doing those things, but, but the actual like, um, conditioning and, and training part where they can go through, they could be together, but also go through those tough workouts together. It really starts to build some camaraderie. And I mean, as, as football players, I'm sure you understand that two a days back in the old school days and in the heat, like you, you, man, you know who your friends are when you're picking up each other off the turf and like 
Well, and you know who shows up, right? You have this understanding of who you can trust and who you like. And I mean, being a coach, I I had some sense of like, it's not really about the physiological benefits of this experience. It's about the connective tissue benefit. And again, I would just echo this and this shows up in a ton of our interviews. If we aren't dealing with connection, if we aren't trying to cook connection in from a coach to the athlete or athlete to athlete our programs are just going to suffer and i just think that's a cool way to do like let's go and suffer together that's a great way to connect too right and and remember too i mean this is a division one or excuse me a division three program it's not division one you know or two where they don't they're not getting paid to be here you know so it's it's all about the experience and that's what is important for us is to develop uh, an experience for them to help them have the best experience that they can have. And where, where they, they see track and field is something that they couldn't do without in their lives. And, you know, we, we do that partially through the recruiting process of finding people that are committed to doing it. And, you know, inevitably we have people that, you know, decide that they're going to change their major and will transfer on, or, you know, people that don't feel like they have enough passion for it because again, there's not anything keeping them there um, financially to do it. Um, whereas division one and two are, are a lot different and, and the focus and philosophy can be different with that too. You know, it's, it's not as much in the team building side, not that, not that there isn't any um, because there certainly is, but um, I feel like what we do is a lot more of more, more focused on the team building side so that they build, like you said, that trust, that commitment, that dedication and passion um, and when you see that happening and they're around people that feel the same way as they do and same, that same level of passion, man, it's like you start seeing people do things that they never thought were possible. And it's, it's just really neat to be around all of that, you know? Coach, I have a selfish question and I may or may not include this in the, in the interview, but so I, I live in, I live in Bozeman, um, and right down the street from, from Montana state. And I've, I've, we've developed some relationships there with, with some of the coaches and and some of the athletes. And so my background is clinical social work and coaching. And so I have this crossover of mental health and sports psychology. And, and when you were, when you were talking earlier about, Hey, I don't, I I miss the sport. I want to be involved in it. You know, I, I operate on that intersection of mental health and sports psychology of the straight performance. And so I guess I'm just curious, how, how have you seen that in your program impact it, you know, the mental health of our athletes, especially the last couple of years, but, and, you know, what are you guys doing to, to help support them through all of the life transitions, not just the sports performance stuff? Well, I, I mean, I think regardless of being a student athlete or just a student or whoever, a coach, a person, like I think our mental health has really taken uh, a turn for the worse, I think over these last two years. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, I think there's a variety of different reasons for it. And I think obviously COVID has challenged us a a great deal. Um, And, you know, I think the, the constant feeling in the back of your mind that like, what is the next, what's the next month going to look like versus just feeling comfortable where you're at. Um, I feel like there's just a lot of discomfort in terms of like, just not knowing the unknown, like what, what's ahead of us. Um, so I think that's been really challenging. Um, 
you know, and, and I'll say even just from a coaching perspective, I mean, we, we went into 2020 indoor season, we were ranked first in the country. We we're at the national meet. We just did our shakeout and four hours later, they sent us home. And like to know that the rug can be pulled out from under, under you like that, it, there's a certain level of you wanting to protect yourself, you protect your, your, um, your, yourself from getting hurt like that again. So I think a lot of, uh, a lot of the talks we've had with our team as it relates to COVID and, and some of those things is just trying to be more present, you know, and, and not, not focusing so much on the past or the future, but like, this is the only time we can do anything about. So making, making sure that we are enjoying what we're doing when we're doing it and not always thinking past it or, you know, like, cause you never know. I mean, that national meet, we had two athletes who qualified for the national meet who were seniors. They qualified six days before and little did they know that was the last race of their college career. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it, I, and whenever I think of like being upset about something or taking something for granted, I think of those, those athletes. And, and I, I frequently bring that up to our team about making the most of the opportunities that we have in front of us and, and just enjoying that process because it makes you, it, it's a healthier way to live mentally. I, I think when we're not just totally focused on all the things we did wrong, but like thinking about, all right, learning from the past, but what, what can I do about it right here and right now? Um, you know, as it, as it relates to some of the programming we've done with our team, we, we have, um, uh, I, much like I would say most universities do, I, I, if not all universities, we have a counseling, um, we call it counseling and testing, but we have counselors on or clinicians on campus and they're overworked you know, they, they're overworked and undervalued, I think, in a lot of universities. And I'm not saying we're undervalued, but um, I should say understaffed more than undervalued. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in the J term or January term is a time where they have some, some, some time away because there's not a lot of students on campus. So what we did uh, um, last year, two years ago, we did a, um, in the January term, we had all the clinicians come in and talk to our team. So we had like one big presentation about counseling and testing here on campus and mental health. And then we did, um, we took like breakout sessions with all the different clinicians and we talked about mental health and the importance of that. And, um, you know, not only just recognizing it in yourself, but, you know, a roommate or a teammate or a friend. Um, so just raising awareness of that and the importance of it. But, you know, mental health has been a challenge for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say this track and field has helped also, you know, the, the, the connection again, coming back to that, not, it seems like it's the golden thread of everything here, but like that, that connection that we build within the team and just having those people that, you know, are there to go to bat for you every day. And um, that'll support you like that, that, and looking forward to having something to look forward to like training and going to meets and stuff like that. Um, when we were basically shut down on campus and people are living in their dorm rooms and taking classes online and stuff, that was the only thing they had to look forward to. Yeah. And, and I had one of my athletes who was a freshman last year, just, we were at the last meet and she just came up to me and she was like, well, I think I'm going to go home tomorrow. And she started bawling. She's like, this is the only thing I've had to look forward to. And I, I don't know if I could have gotten through the year without this. And so I, I imagine, you know, it's not just a thing that we're experiencing here, obviously, I think it's everywhere, but um, I think 
it's a it's a great thing that we are in a position that we can again provide that experience that helps people through hard times as well. Yeah. Um, it's, well, and I I love the awareness piece of it that you talked about because I think that's kind of my let's call it a sales pitch, but it, it's it's my driving force is that as athletes we kind of have an underlying tone of figure it out, get through it. We'll push, you know, keep training, play through the pain. Right. And, and I think at a lot of places, athletes get overlooked because of that. And then there's also a stigma still with mental health, as much as we want to educate and we want to talk about it, there's still a stigma, you know, and, and I, I talked with, with the staff here and it's like, Hey, the starting quarterback on the football team that played for the national title, if he's feeling like he needs to go get help, he's probably not just walking into the counseling center because who's going to see him. Right. And so how do we normalize that? How do we support all of these kids, including athletes and, and give them the tools and inviting clinicians. So they have an awareness of, Hey, this is Susie from counseling, man. She gave this presentation to our team. I can trust her. I have, even though it's just a small relationship connection and now that there's an there's an awareness of it too and so i love that and i appreciate that you're doing that and i think it's just so important yeah i thank you i i think i think it's um again going back to our guiding principles on our on our team is like valuing one's mental health is so important because you know, what are you doing if you're not valuing that, you know, and, and we do it, it, that it's called the sport ethic, right? We push through the pain. We, you know, like all that kind of stuff. We, we, you know, push it down deeper and, and then oh, I can get through it. I can get through it. And then I'll, eventually you can't, you know, and right. the thing that I want all of our athletes to know is one, it's okay to not be okay. You hear that a lot now, which I think is good. Mm-hmm. It's okay to not be okay. Communicating and talking about those things and having a place like a safe space where they feel like they can um, is what we try to create. And people still inevitably will will keep keep things to themselves and stuff like that. But you know, we're, we're going to keep doing what we're doing to try and break down those walls and um, help people get the help they need, or just help people to to get things off their mind. You know, yeah. um, and, and don't get me wrong, there, there's a there's a huge benefit to learning that skill to say, Hey, I'm going to separate this feeling, this thought, this thing, and I still go do my job or I do my thing. But it's when we get in trouble is when we push it down and we say, Hey, it's never coming out. Well, there's, it is, there's a difference. There's a difference between compartmentalizing and hiding your head in the sand. You know, there, there are two, there are two different things. And uh, I, yes, there's, there's a skill to be learned about like, all right, leaving, this thing where like, I got a bad grade on my test, like leave it there. Nothing I can do about it right now. I'll come back to it later, but here I have practice and I can use this as an escape versus like, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling great about myself Mm -hmm. and I got a lot of stuff going on at home and all this stuff, like feeling like you can't escape it. Like those, those are things that need to be talked about and need to be addressed. And, um, I think we do, we do, a, a good job with that. I, I feel like we just need to keep, keep progressing with that so we can make our athletes more and more comfortable with sharing those things when they need to. Coach, we are so incredibly grateful for the work that you guys are doing and how you guys are building young athletes, young women to go and serve our world in a really, really cool way. We are pumped to follow you this spring. 
um, you know, good luck as the indoor season gets rolling. I saw that you guys had a pretty nice weekend to start the, start the process. Yeah. Um, we wish you nothing but the best, but win a national title or something. Thanks, man. That's the goal. That's the goal. And, uh, we are, we are blessed to, you know, have a, have a great group of people, a great group of women. And, um, like I said, the, the coaches that we have here, I, in my opinion, are second to none. And, I, you know, we got everything in front of us. We're just taking it one day at a time and trying to stay healthy and have fun along the way. So, but uh, I appreciate um, you asking me to do this. This was great. You guys had great questions and I, I can tell, you know, just by the questions you're asking that your, your heads are in the right places. So it's, it's neat to be um, a part of a community like that. So thank you. Appreciate it, coach. Jamie. A lot in this conversation, and as we're even just trying to debrief and talk about what our takeaways are, this one honestly might be a, a listen a couple of times, take some notes, may take it in chunks, right, and and digest it or go back and listen to the part that, you know, intrigues you or interests you. One of the things that he said that I think stood out to me, and I wrote it down, so that's how I know it stood out to me, but who are you on your best day, right? We, we focus on our faults and the things that go wrong all of the time. And a lot of times we don't think about who are we on our best day? Let's go seek that. Let's go put that into practice. Let's go build that into our routine and, and figure out how we can be our best on our worst day. Yeah. I, I agree completely. It's something we ignore. You know, we had Marine like the Monty on talking about strength finders and getting to our strengths, like I identifying and understanding those things, powerful tool. And yet we still don't do it in the context of what our performance needs to look like consistently enough. I think the thing that stands out for me in this is just the, the underlying thread and it showed up a few times, like you got to love it, right? It has to be who, you, you know, it's got to show up coming out of you. Like we're going to, we're going to build leadership into our program because I love doing leadership stuff. And I think it provides value for our athletes. Okay. Well, maybe it's not that I love doing leadership stuff. It's I love getting the best out of my, my athletes. So now I know that that layer is really important. So I'm going to invest in it because it matters, you know, and like when you are passionate, when you enjoy the thing and then giving your athletes that passion, letting that become a part of them, they're going to show up with more intensity, more joy, they're going to connect with their teammates in a different way. It just raises the whole level of all that we do. If you don't love it, if you don't bring some of that on a day-to-day basis, even on your worst day, right? Even on your worst day, bring some of that and your kids will show up. Your athletes will show up and compete, right? And, and it's just there through the whole conversation is just there. And, and it's obvious why that, why they're good, you know? Um, I love it. No doubt. Go back, take some notes, learn from it, grow. We certainly got better. I know that you got better as well. We appreciate you joining us on this journey. Jamie, I appreciate you. And as always, live eyes up.